Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. Books about the lives of queer people are often the ones targeted by conservative groups. Of course, that's never the stated reason. In a bit, we'll hear from Maya Kobe, whose book Gender Queer is one of the most banned books out there. One of the reasons, on paper at least, is for its sexually explicit material. We'll hear more about it in a sec. But first, Beyond Magenta by Susan Cuckland takes a more anthropological approach to teens and gender identity. For her book, she talked to young trans teens and crafted a candid and genuine look at their lives. And Cuckland tells NPR Steve Inskeep that most of the complaints about the book aren't about gender identity, but will be about someone, say, talking about how they were sexually abused, and so the book gets deemed as explicit. And it's interesting to hear her talk about a story that she took as an inspiring message of survival and see it get twisted into something else. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, is now streaming on Hulu. We've been reading some banned books. They're works that people try to get out of public schools and libraries. In our coverage, we've heard from school boards and parents, and now we're hearing from writers. Photojournalist Susan Cooklin wrote a book that is banned in 11 school districts and has been challenged or debated in more. I've always been interested in topics of social justice. I've been writing about these things for years. I've written about immigrants and teen pregnancy and teenagers on death row and human rights and prejudice. So so this was sort of a natural evolution into a need that wasn't talked about at the time. The need she perceived a decade ago was to understand young transgender people. So she found and interviewed six young people about their lives. I don't like being a girl. I gave it a run. That's one of the teens is heard in the audiobook. Another relates hearing people talking about her on the subway. Girl one. I don't know what that is. Girl two. Yeah, what is that? Christina. Are those girls talking about me? The result is Beyond Magenta, which the American Library Association placed on its list of the 10 most banned or challenged books in the United States. Why? Like, why would we go after a group of people who are just trying to make make a life for themselves, a comfortable life for themselves, and are not really hurting anybody. We should be clear that for some people, this is a hard topic. They're Mm -hmm. not sure what to think about it. Uh, They have conflicted feelings. They feel that they're open-minded, but they may have a tough time with this one. Was it at any point hard for you? When I first started talking to various people about whether or not I should be doing the book and what are some of the issues that needed to be addressed, I was uncomfortable when I didn't know what the sex of the person was. It just felt strange to me. And I thought, why should it feel strange to me? Would I be speaking differently to a man than to a woman? It just it didn't sit right. And I thought, are we hardwired? to believe this. So I went on a quest to find out if indeed we were hardwired. And I found that we're not because very quickly, once I got to know people, it became totally irrelevant. 
They just became people to you. Yeah, people are people. And that's the point of all my books, that people are people. And they do some crazy things, some negative things, some positive things. And, and that's who we are. Did you feel like you were an advocate in some way, a political actor, or just trying to get, a, get an important story? Well, I wanted to tell a good story. And I didn't think of myself as being political because this seemed extremely natural to me. But it turned out in the long run that it became a political issue. But when I was started the story, it wasn't a political issue. It was just a story about a section of the LGBTQ plus community that hadn't been heard much. So you're on this list of banned and challenged books. Yes. Um, what's that like? It's kind of awful, frankly. My whole point for doing this was to start a conversation to bring humanity to the page, to to show some empathy, to to just be able to broaden ourselves. And instead, the book is being vilified because of who these people are. What are the specific complaints that people raise about the book? Um, oddly, the people are mostly complaining about things that have little to do with being transgender. So what they do is they'll pick a paragraph from the story, whether it's it's uh, bad language because kids curse, um, or whether whether it's a story of someone's life. They take it out of context, and then they complain about that, that the whole book should be banned and everything that's in it because of a paragraph here or a word there. Um, I am thinking of one case from Virginia that we were reading about in which someone correctly pointed out that there is what you could call sexual content in the book. One of your characters uh, has had a troubled life, a troubled situation, and suffered uh, sexual abuse and describes that very briefly. Um, is this the sort of thing that gets you in trouble? That is exactly what gets me in trouble. Probably if that was not in the book, something else would get me in trouble. But people took that chapter and, and that story and turned it around into something very negative and very ugly, whereas I saw it as a, an example of how someone can survive. I saw that chapter as someone who was born into a terrible environment with lots of violence and very little education and managed to become a, a hero and live a successful life and go to college. To pretend that people like this do not exist is ridiculous because we know it, they do exist. And so their voices being heard could be very helpful. Is there one of this collection of young people whose story you'd like to leave us with? Who are they and what has happened to them? I think the most important story that I, I appreciated a lot was a, a young trans woman who went to an all-boys Catholic school in the Bronx. By her senior year, she decided she was going to live her true life. She started a transition right there in school. She bucked an awful lot of bullying and teasing and stood her ground and today is a beautiful artist and creative person and living a wonderful life. Also in that chapter, which was very important to me, was, was her mother, who was very much opposed to her becoming a female, her transitioning. And her evolution from, from being frightened, scared, un, uninformed, to an absolutely adoring parent uh, is, is a beautiful story. The mother asked to be in the book. She said she wanted her point to be, be taken so that parents would, would know what's, what we're feel, they were feeling. Meaning that she wanted to be heard as 
having concerns and and getting beyond them. Exactly. And getting concerned because of, of parental love. You love your child. You hear your child. You love your child. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. Susan Cooklin is the author of Beyond Magenta, Transgender Teens Speak Up. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's on a list of books that are frequently banned or challenged. Those challenges turn out different ways. This year, for example, a parent questioned Beyond Magenta at James River High School in Virginia. School officials appointed a special committee which reviewed the book and decided it was fine. This message comes from NPR sponsor LiveRight, publishers of Left for Dead. Shipwreck, treachery, and survival at the edge of the world by Eric J. Dolan. The true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812. Available wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. Like a lot of the authors we've heard from this week, genderqueer author Maya Kobabe wasn't exactly surprised that the book caught criticism. It is an exploration of gender and sexuality and does contain some depictions of sex. But Kobabe told NPR's Rachel Martin that what was surprising was the timing of the backlash, the level of it, and also its longevity. So I wrote it sort of towards an audience who I knew like, loved me and supported me and knew me and was very, like, sympathetic to me. Um, and I think that let me write with, a with like, like, without any, like, really fear. Kobabe grew up in Northern California. In illustrated panels in the book, readers learn about Kobabe feeling physically different from a young age, but unable to openly express it. The book has been praised in some circles for how it talks about identity, but it's also drawn a lot of rebuke from people who cite its sexually explicit nature and the illustrations. Genderqueer has been banned in more states than any other book. I was in elementary school in the 90s, and then I was in high school in the early 2000s, and there was a lot less representation, and there was a lot less people who were publicly out. Um, And I just felt for so many years, I was like, I I just feel like there's, there's some stuff going on with me about gender. I can't decide if I'm a girl who feels kind of like a boy or like a, a gay man trapped in a girl's body or if I'm like a boy but in but in a very feminine way or like am I a lesbian it was just very confusing and I just kept feeling like I was trying on like clothes that didn't fit and it was just like it was the 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 biggest sort of concern of my specifically teenage years and early 20s was just this, like, what am I? Where do I fit in all of this? There's so many different experiences that I, as as a cisgendered woman, would never have thought about as being as traumatic as you describe them. Like the annual gynecological exam. (laughs) And this is a very graphic part of the book as you describe what this was like for you. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, It's interesting that you mentioned that you wouldn't have thought of that maybe as, as traumatic because one of the things that I sometimes hear from cis female readers is, thank you so much for writing about how 
kind of hard that was for you because it's also really hard for me and I never hear anyone talk about that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I've had, yeah, readers who have never struggled with their gender or questioned their gender really relate to that part of the book and also some of the stuff about like periods and, um, you know, sort of the shame around periods and all of that stuff um, is not limited to people who are questioning their gender. But yeah, the pap smear exam scenes, there are two of them in the book. They were hard to write. Those were the kind of the only scenes that when I sat down at my desk to draw them, I was like, I don't want to like have to live in this memory again mm. for the amount of time it's going to take me to draw these pages. This is a, this is an unpleasant experience to be reliving this. Mm-hmm. I mean, half of it's kind of like psychological, like I don't enjoy being reminded about this part of my body, and half of it is just literal physical pain. You tell the story of a family that's very supportive Mm -hmm. of you and your journey. There's this scene, though, where your aunt, who happens to be a lesbian, is -hmm. having a hard time with the idea that you are non-binary and the fact that she needs to use different pronouns with you. You know, she was the first person I really knew very closely who was out as queer. So when I was coming out as non-binary, I assumed like, okay, cool. Of all of my extended family, she will get it the most. She'll immediately support me. She'll immediately have my back. And then that ended up not quite being the case. But I think part of it was that with the time that she came out as a lesbian feminist specifically, it was a real turn towards women, towards womanhood, towards centering women as sort of the most important relationships in her life, both romantic, but also sort of like political. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm voting as a woman. Mm -hmm. I am moving through the world politically as a woman. And I think the idea that I was doing a thing that to her felt like a rejection of womanhood Mm -hmm. was really, really difficult because she felt like women are like the best thing in the entire world. (laughs) And being a woman is very joyful and celebratory and wonderful and has brought me friendships and community and family and, you know, very important things into her life. Um, And I think when I was first coming out, I wasn't saying womanhood does not have value or womanhood is not like worthwhile and wonderful and important thing to be and to celebrate and to find strength in. I was just saying like, this is a very beautiful gift that has been offered to me, but it doesn't fit. And because of that, I'm going to set it down. Did you anticipate the level of ire directed at your book? I braced myself for a little bit of that. But when the book came out, like what it was met with initially was just this absolute wave of like love and support. And the pushback didn't come until late 2021. And at that point, I think what mostly surprised me was like the timing of it and then also the level of it. And then following that, the longevity of it. Let me ask you this. I mean, some of the criticism is about how explicit the book is. There are some graphic panels um, Mm. where you're describing some of your sexual encounters. Did you consider doing less graphic versions of those scenes just to not give grist to the critics who you anticipated were going to come at you anyway? You know, I really didn't. Like, I drew it. I drew as much as I felt like I needed to tell the story that I was trying to tell and get the points across that I was trying to make. And I honestly think the book is 
a lot less explicit than it could be or would have been, been if written by a different author. The topic of gender touches on identity and touches on sexuality and it touches on all of these things. And it's hard to fully explain, I think, what, like how a gender identity can impact every facet of life as an adult without touching at least a little bit on sexuality. And so I wanted to not like shy away from that. Maya Kobabe is the author of the graphic memoir, Gender Queer. Maya, thanks so much for talking with me. Yeah, thank you for chatting with me this morning. That's it for this week on NPR's Book of the Day. If you want more, you can sign up for our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter slash books. I'm Andrew Limbong. The podcast is produced by Isabella Gomez-Armiento and edited by Megan Sullivan. Our founding editor is Petra Mayer. The show Elements for this week were produced and edited by Claire Morishima, Rina Advani, Kurt Gardiner, Julie Deppenbrock, Samantha Balaban, and Kitty Isley. Beth Donovan is our managing editor. Thanks for listening. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR.